You are listening to Stand Out on LinkedIn, indispensable truths, tools, and tips, a show designed specifically to help you stand out. This podcast is for everyone looking to maximize their brand, network, career, and business initiatives, meaning finding a job, hiring, selling, and marketing. That pretty much includes most people. My team at Intero will be sharing their expertise and insight to get you one step closer to gaining traction and being a standout on LinkedIn. My team spends hours each day on LinkedIn, assisting companies in developing their brand, finding new talent for job openings, and even creating content to help professionals establish their credibility. The information they share on this podcast reflects what they see and do each day. If you're looking to stand out on LinkedIn, then you've come to the right place. Listen and receive actionable takeaways that you can utilize on LinkedIn to achieve your business and career goals. Welcome everyone. We're back for another episode of Stand Out with Chris McDonald. Chris is the CEO and president of McDonald Consulting Group, Sandler Training. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Colleen. It's great to be here. We've known each other a long time, and I have been a follower of your content and seen you present so many times. And it's always great to have a conversation with you because we dive into really great topics around leadership and sales. So it's always something changing in your world and how you're looking at it. So I know we're going to be talking about some really practical and yet strategic insight for leaders and sales professionals. So how about Absolutely. we just get started, right? Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. All right. Leaders. You know, there's an old adage, what got you here may not get you there. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. What are you seeing in terms of what has gotten people and leaders to this point, certainly through a lot of chaos in the last three years? What are you seeing around that? What do leaders need to be focused on? Well, Colleen, that's a that's a great question, and one with um, what about eighty two different parts and in twenty nine subsets, right? There's so many different things, and because there's so much that's child that's changed over the last couple of years, yeah. right? Everything from remote work to how do we come back? What does that look like? How do we deal with employees that are looking to go to other companies? based on remote work. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? So it really comes down to connection, right? Connection for the leader starting at the top. And part of that, uh, to your point, Colleen, is for leaders to realize, as you said earlier, what got us here may not get us there. And from a standpoint of what is their current culture like? Now, do they, and it's hard to define a culture, Right. I mean, and it's like anything else during you can you can plant a nice garden at your house. You can, you know, you stand back, you look at it, say it's in the springtime, you look at it, it looks beautiful. But if you don't touch it for four or five months, what's it look like? Not good. Not good. <laughs> it's Weeds are everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the biggest thing uh, that leaders need to think about is what is what's the direction of their company? Are they sharing the company goals with the company? Are there a lot of closed door meetings or just uh, for, for companies that aren't together on site all the time? Are they wondering what's going on uh, with their company? Are they sharing different aspects of change management from a standpoint of where our business is going? 
And I will say one thing I will mention about a company, obviously, that um, uh, is is local right right here in, in, in Baltimore, Under Armour, which is a, obviously a huge company. From what I understand from, obviously, their perspective, one of their keys is that they say they're a new company every six months. Mm, new company I love that. Every six months, right? And when you think about that, what does that mean to a small business? Uh, what does that mean to a medium-sized business? And are, are your team members, are you investing time in your team members to uh, to allow them to see where your company's going and do their personal goals line up with those business goals? And I think that's the first place that leaders need to start is really, are they in touch with their employee and team member base? Yeah, that's really interesting. Every six months, you know, that just also speaks to how fast business, the world is changing, right? And you suddenly a strategic plan that was, you know, conceived um, to be rolled out over 12, 18, 24, 36 months, 36 months seems like forever, right? Yeah, big time, (laughs) big time. So that's, so it's kind of interesting to think about what that piece even looks like. How do you react and keep your people aligned in real time. Right. Right. And what and to your point, what does it look like 36 months out? And and has one of the things that we often hear out there when you're talking to business owners and talking to leaders is that there's oftentimes not a strong connection to turnover and the cost of that turnover to that business. Right. And it can be one of two ways. It could be in one situation, maybe a business doesn't have any turnover at all. And the leaders are shouting from the top of the mountaintop, hey, this is awesome. We have no turnover. But as you peel it back a little bit, what if there's also no growth? <laughs> what if there's also challenges and, and there's just they're not able to hit their goals because what they're doing is they're not holding people accountable. There's no specific goals. There's no growth and direction. And it's become kind of um, just a, a flat line. Now, if, that, if that's the goal of the company, just to maintain, okay, then maybe it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But if the company is to grow and they're looking at all the different reasons why they're not growing, maybe it's because they're not um, specifically putting out goals, company goals, team members aren't aligned with it. And quite frankly, they may, be, they may, feel, may me feel hostage to their team members that say don't want to stretch comfort zones, mm-hmm. right? So maybe there needs to be some turnover in some cases, or um, just like more accountability. In other cases, there's so much turnover because leaders are expecting so much, but they don't care enough to expect excellent results. One of my mentors many years ago said, "You have to care enough to expect excellence." Mm-hmm. That means you know you're not just a supervisor; you're a coach, you're a trainer. You're a mentor, you know, and not a super, not a supervisor, right? Checking the box. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big thing. So turnover, what is the cost of turnover if it's too much? And what is the cost of turnover if it's too little? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really important question. We talk to people all the time. They're like, yeah, our turnover, our attrition rate is really, really, really low. And then um, when I'm training and I look at that sales team, I'm like, hmm, Right. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, this digital fluency piece and sales skills for 2020s. Right. And and what that looks like. So we're going to get back to that. So that 
recruiting piece, um, which is certainly on every leader's mind these days. Yeah. Um, there's rarely a day that goes by that we don't talk about uh, that topic with one of our clients or prospects. What are you seeing as some of the pitfalls there? And uh, because people need to hire so quickly, ensuring that those new hires actually fit with where the company is today and that culture piece. This suddenly becomes just a tad bit more layered to me. Yes, uh, Colleen. And, and and really, it's that it starts with a couple of things. Number one, job descriptions, the the good old job description that, you know, if you ask any, if you if you put 20 businesses in a room and say, hey, how updated are your job descriptions? You'll probably get 20 different answers, right? Mm-hmm. Some might say job description. And then others might say, oh, yeah, but we haven't dusted it off in 10 years or whatever it is. It's very common. Now, do the job descriptions actually match what the core competencies are for that particular job today? Mm -hmm. If it's sales, does it currently match what is expected from a salesperson? If it's an operations, if it's engineering, supply chain, whatever it is, does it truly match? And when you really peel it back, oftentimes it doesn't. So you think about when you're hiring and we use what's called a search model, when, when you're looking at it from a standpoint, what are the skills? That's one of the, the first things that's important. What are the skills needed? What are the experience needed in that acronym? And what are the actual behaviors needed for that particular team mm-hmm. member? Is it fully mapped out? And then the second thing is, is that is there some sort of diagnostic assessment being used, right, to be able to determine Obviously, you have behavioral interviewing and asking behavioral interviewing questions, but I think a lot of times we have to step back and say, are we using some sort of diagnostic tool to make sure that from a competency perspective, whatever it is, sales, engineering, leadership, that there's a there's a, there's a, an alignment there. Number two um, is behavioral interviewing. And I think that sometimes that's because of the challenging labor market right now that we're going through. We tend to, uh, there's businesses that may kind of accept if someone says, here's an example, Colleen, just, I remember years ago, I, I was involved in an interview and uh, many, many years ago, and it just it kind of strikes me today. The interviewer asked the interviewee, are you a good people person? Mm-hmm. And the interviewee said, yes, yeah. I love people. People are my thing. And I literally saw the person right now. They like people. Good. So when you think about it, what does that tell you? I mean, it does tells you nothing. It tells you that person's saying that because I want this job, mm-hmm. right? Without any behavioral. Tell me about the last time you were with a, a difficult customer. Mm-hmm. What did that look like? Can you right. tell me about that? Blah, 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 and really getting into it. So, and the other thing, Colleen, I think it's, it's uh, we have to look at our own biases, our own biases. And two of them that kind of come to mind are affinity and confirmation bias when interviewing. Affinity bias might be um, uh, an interviewer is interviewing someone. They they realize, hey, at a high level, maybe they went to the same high school. They went mm-hmm. to the same college or something like that. And of course, in Baltimore, everyone knows it's all the high school around here, right? <laughs> right. right? I was just, I was going to say that, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's like, oh, then all of a sudden it could be this connection, right? And then we may not ask the tough questions or may not really dig deep because of that affinity. And then confirmation biases, or maybe Colleen, you say to me, "Hey, I recommend this person. They're great. They're they're great at this, great at that." And I think, oh, well, I really like Colleen. Colleen's awesome. She mm-hmm. says this person's great, so I'm sure they're great. And maybe I won't ask certain questions. 
maybe I'll do that. And you just never know, right? Is that truly a fit for this role? Am I truly diving in and asking the right question? So I think sometimes we can have blind spots on as mm-hmm. leaders when we're interviewing. Yeah. And I think it's really important to separate and really think about that hiring practice. I know lots of CEOs to go have coffee, fall in love over coffee and want to hire somebody. And, and, and everybody on the team is like, wait a minute, this so didn't work. And probably a result of those, uh, some of those biases that you talk about. I want to just talk for a second and then we'll dive into the sales side about proactive and reactive recruiting. You know, we see um, a lot of companies who don't have what I would call professional in-house recruiting, right? They, it might be the HR person, but you know, that HR person's handling payroll and benefits and everything. So they're more generalist. However, recruiting fits under their purview and they're still relying on a much more reactive strategy, posting on certain platforms, waiting for people to apply as opposed to being proactive. Let's go find those people building a talent pipeline the same way we build a sales pipeline. Right. And that I think goes back to that first question, you know, what won't, what got us here may not get us there. And I think it's relying on a really reactive recruiting strategy versus thinking, wow, this isn't working so well for us. How do we change that? What can we do? Right. Any thoughts on that? Yes, Colleen. And it's a great point. And, and that, and that is, it's, it's like the, the question you can ask somebody that, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, the first <laughs> answer is 20 years ago, Right. right? The second best answer is today. Right. Everyone knows that, right? Same thing with recruiting. Yeah. And it's so easy as a leader in a company to be able to just be focusing on everything else but recruiting because we're reacting all day long. Oh my gosh, someone left. We need to, oh, sound yeah. the alarm. We need to hire someone. Yeah. Versus building, always being in a situation where we're building a hiring pipeline Mm-hmm. And we're we're constantly looking for good people and having that and having that database of good people. Mm-hmm. And it's very to your point. There's so many uh, so analogous to a sales funnel, mm-hmm. right? When you don't prospect or a business doesn't have a good lead system or is not following up and not doing that, obviously the end result of that's going to be a decrease in business. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same thing in hiring. If we have a hiring funnel. And there's people constantly in that and we're nurturing that campaign and we're talking to them and we're, we know the different positions and we're thinking down the line. Um, it takes work to do that. But then when you're in a situation, you're, you're, you're not just all of a sudden going nuts trying to find somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, and talking about sales funnels um, is a great segue into let's talk about sales professionals. What should sales professionals, in your opinion, be focusing on today? Great question. Um, in many ways, it's one of the same that they've always had to focus on, and it's and it's understanding the importance of obviously always prospecting um, and always building your book of business. But the biggest thing, Colleen, is that the ways that we go out to the marketplace uh, is expanding. And growing. And that's truly what got us here may not get us there. Mm-hmm. And there are times where obviously it's so easy. It's so easy for you and me 
um, when we go out and buy something, what's the first thing you're going to do when pre- pretty much anything you're going to buy? What's the first thing you're going to do? I go online. I do all my own research. Absolutely. So all of a sudden, Colleen, you become a subject matter expert mm-hmm. anyway on mm-hmm. almost everything you want to do, whether it's a complicated, um, very complicated product or service mm-hmm. or something that's not. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that every business owner, corporate executive, anyone is going to be doing, even if it's a, a multi-year process where they're looking to, to change their whole infrastructure in their business or software system, whatever it is. Right. So they're already down that path somewhat. So in sales, one of the biggest things to understand, uh, especially for with, with the pandemic, how we're communicating right now, if this were, say, three years ago, we might have said, you know what, the best way to do this is you know, come to my office, let's meet somewhere and do that, which is not a bad thing. Matter of fact, that's great to see you. Matter of fact, it was great to see you not too long ago here at the right. office, right? right? Love it. But we can't forget that you know, there are so many different ways that we can communicate. And I think salespeople that realize that um, one of the biggest things, Colleen, is, is something I'll call in, in, a, in a prospecting uh, perspective, OCD. And not the OCD we think of from a medical perspective, but one contact disorder. Right. <laughs> one contact disorder. Like salespeople that have always felt good with their one contact at a particular company today. That's a downfall. That is a, a fatal flaw. Big time. So what are you doing to go deep and wide to build relationships, to understand people? Obviously, using LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is... is um, near and dear to your heart uh, and, and, and your, your, you and your team as such experts at, but it's understanding how to uh, navigate some of these complex buying uh, areas and, and really and, and really understanding that. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole idea of digital fluency and being um, the skill set that's needed, whether it's here on Zoom and creating energy, right, that people can actually feel through through the screen is is super important that creating that approachability i think is really interesting and and i do think you know and i, I tell i do a lot of training with sales professionals you know i say please do not put in your messaging i'd like to learn about you and your organization because that's such a high level question that i've actually seen people respond go to my linkedin profile Go to my website right. then, right? Like that is no longer the question to pose, in my opinion, because it's too high level. It's too obvious. You should know certain things going in. Absolutely. And you kind of date yourself a little bit when you pose a question like that. So important. Could not agree more. It, it, doing that research and understanding what you're doing, it, it's it, the other, the opposite way is more antiquated. Right. Uh, again, what got us here? may not get us there. Mm-hmm. You know, the number um, changes every once in a while, but I think it's somewhere around 70% of people use, go online, get content, read, get referrals, all of those things before they engage with a company, a salesperson, whatever that may be. So it's really interesting. We just went through an exercise where we did research on our team. It's a product that we're actually super familiar with. We've used it in the past. We're making a pretty strategic decision to go back to it, but with even um, greater velocity and, and depth, if you will. So, of course, we did all of our research. 
And when we got on the call, we were looking for just some very specific questions to be answered. We already knew we were going to buy. Yeah. And and perhaps the best question um, this salesperson could have asked was, where are you in the buying cycle? Like that would have been so easy and would have enabled him to kind of jumpstart and kind of dive in. However, really pulled it back. And I respect his process because this is how, you know, as a professional, he was trained um, related to this and pulled it really back, you know, back, started asking a lot of questions to get the solution. And he did give us a little bit of pause. However, we did buy exactly what we thought we were going to buy in the end. And and it was interesting because I thought, wow, if he had just asked this one question, where are you in the buying process? Which makes me think, wow, I need to ask that question more often. Then he could have filled in rather than taking us all the way from his beginning and marching us through, which ended up being about two and a half hours of conversation, which right. probably could have been cut in half. So just kind of interesting when I when we kind of reflected on that, ended up being a really good conversation. We learned a lot, yeah. but we were pretty far along. And, and that's a great, such a great point, Colleen. It's so appropriate today because so many buyers are so far down the process. And what, to your point is, and one of the things that we look at in the very beginning of a meeting, we want to make sure we're on the same page. A salesperson should really be on the same page in that first you know, five or six minutes of that meeting as to where you are in the buying process. It could be that exact question. Understanding um, and taking away the assumptions, the assume word. I mean, the assume word can be very challenging because oftentimes when we assume, mm-hmm. we're wrong. I know mm-hmm. I am, right? Right. So we ask questions to see where where they are. And and to your point, the value that a salesperson can add is truly in in finding out where that prospect has been, what they've done up to that point, and where they want to go, and whether or not the salesperson can help them get there, right? Mm -hmm. And it may be with them. It may be a recommendation to somebody else in their network, depending on what it is. And I think that's what salespeople really have to look at is understanding, are you there for the best interest of both the prospect and yourself? Are you going to qualify hard Mm -hmm. to make sure that both parties are going down the right path? Uh, And and it is okay. Is it, it should be okay for both parties to feel comfortable saying yes or no Mm -hmm. at the end of that interaction. Because I think, Imagine if you didn't feel comfortable, maybe you weren't going to go on that path. And and have you ever looked at a salesperson and said, well, yeah, we're, we're going to think about it. But truly what you wanted to say was no, but you probably didn't want to hear the salesperson do what? Like try to overcome your objections, et cetera. Right. right? So we want a very transparent conversation. And, and with that, um, because there's preconceived notions that all prospects are going to have about being sold to. Mm-hmm. No one likes being sold to. Right. Well, people like to buy Mm -hmm. when it makes sense for them. So I think salespeople today uh, really need to step back and think about their whole, how they obviously, how they go to market. But once they're with prospects and they they decide, again, it depends on their sales cycle. If it's a really long, complex sale and a wide, diverse buyer network with tons of decision makers, or is it a one-call closed? Really, there's so many variables. But A, are we talking to the people that can actually make a decision? Mm-hmm. Okay. And B, are both parties 
at that meeting there for the right reasons. And are there, we don't want any mutual mystification at the end of these meetings, because the worst thing is, is for both the prospect and salesperson to waste too much time if it's only going to be a no right. at the end. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit I can take and ask a second question on. Um, one, I want to come back to how the buying process has changed in larger organizations, but mm-hmm. I want to pause that for one second. It's So it's interesting, right? Because again, we just talked about how as buyers we research. Well, that then means that that company or that topic, there's content around that topic online. So for companies, most companies are now using content. You're a great content creator. You do a lot of writing, blogging, posting. So people know you, you keep your visibility up. And that's how I learn, right? I might download an ebook, a white paper. I might read a case study or two. So I rely on good content that's not just evergreen, but updated. But there are still some small to mid-sized companies that are not creating content in a what I would call meaningful way, where there's something that I can really actually learn from that piece of content, sometimes super high yeah. level. And it's just really built for SEO more than educating, informing the buyer, potential buyer. So that salesperson's job is a little bit in some ways diff- more difficult and old school than um, a salesperson who's working for a company where they're actually creating really great content and that salesperson can use that content or at least reference and should be referencing that content in that sales process. What are your thoughts on that? Oh my gosh, it's such an incredibly important point you made in that alignment right. between, let's just say, marketing and sales versus literally marketing versus sales, Right. right? Are the marketing messages, the, the sales, because in a lot of companies, there's one doesn't really understand the other, almost through no fault of their, no, of their own, but not realizing how important it is. Salespeople might be out there saying one thing and marketing saying something totally different, mm-hmm. uh, but you hit the nail on the head. The ability for a salesperson to truly understand the, the messaging that's going out, whether it's blogs, whether it's uh, social media posts. Uh, understanding the power of that and how to how to reach out to organizations will absolutely propel salespeople much further and much wider versus well that's them they're gonna yeah they put out some stuff on LinkedIn every now and then they they put some blogs out there I don't really look at that as a major disconnect there yeah it's so interesting just in the Wall Street Journal in the last few days there was an article about Salesforce and they're reporting on their numbers and uh, Mark Benioff the CEO was saying that there's been a stretching of the sales cycle. It's getting longer. Um, and there's very complex B2B you know, solutions. So not surprising. More layered you know, process in, in the buying decision itself and among more contributors to that buying decision. So what are you seeing um, as it relates to selling into larger companies, more enterprise level companies for a sales professional? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new world, quite frankly. And you, know, you go back pre, uh, pre-pandemic where sales teams at a very high level relied more on getting on airplanes or trains or cars, whatever it is, uh, and going out uh, to, these, uh, to the companies, these large organizations mm-hmm. and meeting which obviously is a great way 
to me. But I think what, what's obviously with the pandemic, we've really increased our use of, of being able to use methods like this mm-hmm. and have meetings, et cetera. But beyond that, uh, Colleen, it's really about a salesperson understanding that there's a finite amount of time that they have. Mm-hmm. And when they're going after large, complex buyer networks with so many different decisions, the percentage of people today, and I've seen a lot of studies around this, that are involved in a decision right. are through the roof mm-hmm. compared to, say, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. There might have been, let's just for example, if there were an average of one or two people involved in a major decision and a capital expenditure, major capital expenditure five, 10 years ago, there's probably triple that today that are actually involved, whether or not they're an influencer, um, a financial um, advisor in this situation, an ultimate decision maker, the actual user. So it's much more collaborative. And salespeople that continue to go in and and latch on to that one person and these large, you know, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, for example, sales, it could be much more than that. They find themselves in trouble because, again, it's it's not going far, deep and wide. The other thing, Colleen, is that from from a pure territorial standpoint, we're seeing some interesting changes as well. We have a a concept that we use, a strategy we use uh, at Sandler called CARE. And with a K, it's keep, attain, recapture, and expand. Mm -hmm. And from an enterprise pursuit level, your keep accounts, your ones that maybe there's not a lot of growth potential, um, but you want to keep them, obviously. They're great customers, et cetera. Your attains are your customers, your major customers that I like to say don't know they should love you yet. Because they're your prospects. Mm-hmm. And is there a top 10 or top 20 list that you know, you're working on to, to do that? And then it's your recapture and expand. So salespeople today need to be able to realize, okay, recapture, that's your former customers that perhaps used to work with you that maybe they haven't in a year or two. And have you identified the attributes within the, that customer base that you want back? Mm-hmm. And if you ask anybody, uh, in sales, it's been in sales for a while, lead trip for a while. Are there some customers you don't want back? <laughs> They're going to say what? Yes. yes. There's some I don't want back. Okay. So what are the attributes that you do want back? And then lastly, is expand. And from an enterprise, what the biggest opportunity in enterprise sales to truly identify your expand accounts. These are the ones that Maybe they, they're decentralized. They have, let's just say, 20 locations across the country or the mm-hmm. world. And you're only dealing with, say, one location right now, two locations. How do we expand that? Are we truly, do we have a a strategic account mapping plan for this enterprise ecosystem and all the different decision makers? And are we putting our time there? I think a lot of times salespeople, what they'll do, because it's comfortable, they'll spend a lot of time with those keep accounts. They know me. They They like me. me. They love me. They love me. They love me, right? And it's all a good thing. But what we're not doing, spending the appropriate amount of time, what, going after the other three components right. and identifying those attributes. And it's so, uh, again, back to digital fluency, the ability to use, uh, say, there's so many different video tools. You can record videos on LinkedIn, obviously. There's things like Vidyard, different companies mm-hmm. out there that you can record very easily, very good videos to yeah. send out to this complex buying network. And I think it's so important to embrace that. And there's so much more to talk about there, Colleen, but I think that's at a high level, that's that's one of the most important things. 
Yeah. And I talk about this all the time. You know, it's the um, beauty. I'm going to just link it back to LinkedIn for a second. Sales Navigator, the transparency Mm -hmm. and the account mapping you can do in LinkedIn Sales Navigator is really quite crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In a really positive way. And, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, I have it. I don't use it. I don't get it. And then I can, we kind of show this and, and they start to see it and they're like, oh, wow. So where, you know, in days gone by, people were just focused on that one buyer, that one point of contact, and they didn't want to ruffle feathers and go above them, go around them, go, go in any other direction. That is all transparent. And that is complete opportunity managed correctly and with diplomacy and and um, right. and a level of sophistication, right? Like so it's it's all there. And again, going back to the to the skill set for salespeople, it is understanding how to incorporate a group of these tools because you can become overwhelmed by all the tools and have plugins everywhere and, and apps everywhere and, and Chrome extensions that right. slow, actually slow you down because you don't, you forget to turn them off. And so what is the group of digital tools that will enhance your skill set, your toolkit, your ability to find people in a ready state? It's really fascinating. You 100%. And one of the things, it was uh, another Sandler trainer uh, at a conference earlier this year referenced what you just said as what's your tech stack? Mm-hmm. What is your tech stack? Right. And that really stuck with me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and is it like for me, I can look at it and say HubSpot, mm-hmm. uh, a little plug for HubSpot is one of our tech stack. Vidyard is in mm-hmm. our tech stack. LinkedIn is in mm-hmm. our tech stack and a few others, you know, and from that standpoint, like you said, I mean, I saw one visual not too long ago. I think it was, uh, I think HubSpot actually put it out, but it was all the different apps and extensions and add-ons you can actually get. And it was mind-blowing. You're like, okay, well, they're like, how many hundreds are on here? Yeah. And yeah. you can get caught. Oh, that could be good. Shiny object, yeah. shiny object. Yeah. Whatever that number is, pick four, pick five, pick six, go deep and wide with those. Yeah. We're actually right now at this moment consolidating all of ours, because I do like a good shiny object. And over the last probably four or five years, really worked hard that unless it integrates with our accounting or our CRM, like they all have to work together or it really doesn't make sense for us because we actually want more more time spent in less tools. Absolutely. It's a work in progress. This conversation, we could continue this conversation. I want to be respectful of your time. Chris, how do people learn more about you, find you, connect with you? Well, Share thank you, Colleen. And, and likewise, I, we, we could talk about this for a very long time. And I always appreciate your company and, and value you so much uh, as, as a partner um, in business. Our company is McDonald Consulting Group, uh, as you mentioned, and we're an authorized licensee of Sandler Training. On the net, it's McDonald with one N, M-C-D-O-N-E-L-L dot Sandler dot com for our website. And on LinkedIn, uh, it's Chris McDonald, M-C-D-O-N-E-L-L, and uh, love to connect uh, with folks on LinkedIn as well. And that's the easiest way to find us is either through LinkedIn or through our website. I really appreciate you. Sure. Terrific. Absolutely. And for any of our viewers and listeners, Chris has been an incredible resource 
to Intero Advisory. We have been in his sessions um, and we always walk away smarter, better prepared to do business. Um, I I know many, many companies um, in the Baltimore region that have engaged with Chris with incredibly strong results. So I encourage people to reach out, talk to Chris, get to know him, use his content because he creates a lot of great content. Chris, thanks for being with us today. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Colleen. I appreciate it. Connect with us on LinkedIn, get to know us there and on our website, interoadvisory.com. We have lots of valuable content and inside our membership site and even more beyond that. Thanks for listening. We appreciate a shout out on your preferred channel, a review or a comment on what you'd like to hear us discuss. You can listen in on Apple, Spotify, Google Play and other channels. Check out our tutorials on our YouTube channel too. Until next time, thanks for joining.